Welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cannon Fodder 71. My name is Joe O'Brien. And I am Troy Deadcap LaValle. Oh, uh, <laughs> whenever we have special guest Skid Bauer on the show, he can't help but laugh immediately. Skid's in the house, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, hi everybody, yay. <laughs> An exciting Cannon Fodder 71 because it's such a special number. You know how Matthew is always such a fan of pointing out when we say, like, 50 is special Cannon Fodder number. He's always like that arbitrary number you came up with that's no different from any other number. Well, 71 is an important one for Matthew. That's why he's on today. Yeah! yeah. Hello. <laughs> His typical creepy self. Really bringing the energy, just like we asked Hi before we started. Bringing the heat. <laughs> And not, and not just that, we have the one and only, the man with the plan, Grant Berger in the house. Woo, yeah. Burger time. I have really enjoyed everyone's hate mail. It's been <laughs> wonderful. I feel really great about being instrumental yeah. in killing a beloved creature. Seriously, the most loved man in America, Grant Berger. <laughs> I want to go on record, Grant, and say it right now. This could be the first ever uh, cannon fodder bottle cap for you. Because not only did you uh, correctly remember or interpret Antenna's idea, Antenna's idea that you have to actually call forth the dragon, but you came up with the crazy... Horrific plan to sacrifice <laughs> Rasmataz well for the done, good of the party. Yes. Follow cap. Try not to lose Thank this you. one, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you, earned, you earned it, pal. So let me ask you, Grant, the, uh, this idea, where did it come from? Is it just like uh, was it a spark in your mind, or have you been thinking about killing Rasmataz for a while now? Spark in my mind. I always like to think of kind of creative ways. We've already talked about the time in Skid's Rune Lords game when I decided to pretend like I was a Shawanti slave trader that was like <laughs> helping a giant uh bring my party to offer to this giant camp to sneak them through so i always like to think outside the box against kind of crazy odds and i also just like to get use out of characters that may not be part of the main party uh i got all the use out of him by murdering him <laughs> sure and i think that there's something to be said for him not only being comic relief and not only being an ally in battle which would eventually not be possible anymore. It can't, you know, I mean, we can keep charming him, I guess, but th this it's idea, really I thought, gave him... It's it, not really sustainable. Right, and I think this one gave him an epic story. Yeah. You gave him an epic story. Right. And I, I also just think, we already talk enough about how the party has lots of loggerheads and, and complaints and, and arguments about where to do and what to do next and what's moral and ethical and what's not. Uh, there, there'd be a lot of disagreements with a red cap about what's moral and ethical and what to do next once he's not charmed. So I just thought it was a great way to have him go out in a blaze of glory. It's a kind of death that I would love Baron to have one day. Let's see. We'll re-listen to Cannon Potter 71 when Baron actually dies to see what happens. Next week. Yep. Wait. <laughs> Hang on. So you'd like Baron to have a death where he's duped by his companions into sacrificing himself? <laughs> that, could, that is probably close to what's going to happen. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> if, I, if I keep on letting Nestor off the hook for being a jerk. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you guys think in general, considering some of the emails that we got after that episode, do you think that we particularly have kind of a twisted game, like a twisted mindset? We thought when yes. we boxed up, we were like, that was awesome. Like yeah. for Rasmataz. Like, yeah. what a great uh, epic story for Rasmataz. 
But some people don't see it that way. Troy, your thoughts? Did you regret it afterwards? What do you think? Well, I mean, I think it was a brilliant idea. I'm sad to see Razmataz go because he's become such a, a fan favorite and a fun character to play. I mean, besides Tom Exposition, like, Funkfar's fun as well, but, like, there's nothing to me that beats Razmataz. And the fact that he came out in episode 100 it makes him all the more special and came out of one of those random improv moments in a game where you charm monster and now you've just got to create this character on the spot and hope that it becomes part of the you know, uh, memory of the show. So I, I was sad for him and also sad because even though he is a horrific, vicious, don't forget, feral creature the way I was playing him when he wasn't charmed, right. the razzmatazz that you've come to know and love is just a sweet, gentle uh, sociopath. Well, yeah, which is, why, <laughs> which is why Sir Will had a hard time with it, you know, and this is part of the difficulty of playing paladins. But I've also read stuff online that has given me a better idea of the ethics of paladins and how it's more about personally trying to want to do the right thing most of the time. But you know you can't always do it, and you right. can't always have control over everything and everyone and how everyone is going to act. And, and when it came to this decision, I really – I think that it was it was great having Pembroke tell him, like, you have – the things that he has said. <laughs> <laughs> and I just started to imagine what some of those could be. And you said, Skid, you personally had uh, had, had uh, experience with, with Red Caps before. Yeah, and in your Council of Thieves campaign. Right. That was one of the most fun things. There was this huge battle with a bunch of fey creatures. And uh, we ended up being allied with a bunch of evil fey against another evil force. And we, so, so we got a lot of your, – your Red Cap betrayal was one of my favorite things ever. And you really hammered home how vicious, awful they are. And so, like, from Pembroke's perspective, like I said, like, he always intended, like, he, he has to die, like, eventually. Like, I can't keep charming him. But this is, a, this, is a, this is a deeply evil creature, and I can't keep him around forever. And so, like, I think that for me, like, there's, a, like, Pembroke is a kindly, like, wise man, old man, but there's kind of a dark pragmatism to him also. And he's just like, oh, yes, no, eventually uh, he will have to die. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's a perfect way to, to put it, a, a dark pragmatism. Oh, Grant has a point. Yeah, I Grant. Think. Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, I think there's also something to be said. You could potentially interpret uh, paladin goodness to be like, you know, a mind-altering spell itself could be interpreted as evil. I mean, it's taking advantage of someone's mind. But what I wanted to know, speaking of getting into the mind of someone... Is Troy, how did you feel rolling against yourself? <laughs> well, I, that's why I was wondering how I wanted... I, I really wanted to play it by the books. Now, if Raz had gone down before the end of round one, there was going to be a much higher chance that they were going to see you. Where he survived to the end of... you know, to the, At least to nothing. the beginning of round two, <laughs> uh, you know, I wanted to make it... I wanted to give you guys the chance for coming up with such a cool idea to get to the Forge Heart unscathed. I mean, those guys are still going to have to be dealt with one way or another, but at least you were able to get to the Forge Heart unmolested. Um, it, did look, it did look for a moment there like he would go down in round one, in which case I was like, we're going to be fighting anyway. And not that his sacrifice was for nothing, but it, it would have just gone to show you like he, it, the rolls didn't go his way because you rolled it out. I think that yeah. I, as a GM, would not have rolled it out. Mm -hmm. I would have had him been jumping around, fighting them, and they would have just gotten by. And I probably would have had him live at the end because I'm a weak Weak GM, uh, but I, I like yeah. the way you just did it by the dice. That was suspenseful for me. Uh, I didn't know what would happen, and I wanted to see him crit with the scythe, the times four crit. Yeah. Where like, imagine you went in there and like took one of the stone giants out first shot, but then got killed by the other. Like that, that would have been really fun. But it's had a still, fan fumble. 
Well, fan, <laughs> I mean, uh, well, fan critical. Fan critical. Yeah, he is a named character. Yeah. Um, but so twisted. <laughs> it was dark. So it was up. very <laughs> dark. And of course, the in memoriam was one of my favorite parts of the <laughs> <laughs> since we've been doing the podcast. Oh, oh I couldn't stop laughing. I couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. Well, let me kick it over. Let's change subject a little bit. Matthew, let me kick it over to you. You haven't uh, had a lot to talk about yet. I want to know, Della says very little. And so I want to get some input from you on Cannon Fodder, kind of where... Her head, her head is at. I know it's focused on Brander and stuff, but we have this little interaction with Lork, uh, and she just kind of curtly nodded, walked away, and said, uh, "What was it? Don't uh, don't kill yourself. Try not to get killed. Try not to get killed. Yeah." So. How's she feeling kind of about Lork, about the situation in general? And she also had a vision. Right, right. Like and we, a memory that I've been playing with. Yeah, and that was kind of, it was a little vague. I mean, I'm not sure what's going on there. So, uh, you know, obviously don't say too much, Matthew. But what, what can you clue us into about where your head's at right now? I mean, with the Lork thing, I mean, again, we have another older male character trying to moralize to Della. And Della's just not going for it. Like, like well, I, I don't think. I see. I disagree. I don't think it was moralizing. He was just saying we, we should all survive and get out of here. Whatever you got to do, you got to do. But focus on that. Don't sacrifice yourself for nothing. I think that's all he was saying. Is that moralizing? I mean, mansplaining. There was a little mansplaining. Uh, <laughs> Can a man explain anything without no. mansplaining? No, never. <laughs> Not in 2017. <laughs> So we just keep our mouth shut. Right, right. right. Never right. say anything to a woman ever. It's, it's safest only, just not to say don't anything. Don't say anything. It's also just, you know, historically speaking, probably yeah. preferable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's also, I think Della thinks that Lork just has no right to tell her how to feel or what to think at this point. Like, he abandoned the party. And yeah, she still does have some emotional connection to him. Obviously, she doesn't want him to die. But she doesn't, you know, it's not like... <laughs> She doesn't really need. She doesn't really need Lork's help at this point. You know, it's like we're, we've moved on. She has other things on her mind. I'll say, I will say that. Then you're not going to say what they are. Well, I mean, I can talk about the vision. The vision was interesting. Well, yeah. So what was going on there? I mean, so basically, and Troy and I have had conversations about this, but the, the that some circumstances went down that caused Della's mom to need to flee, uh, and she brought Della with her. And then, given the moment of freedom when she could choose, Della chose to go back to her father. Ah, that's very interesting. Right. And now you guys aren't privy to that vision. That's just something that went on in Della's head, like what happened right. in the previous episode with, with Nestor. Uh, the last vision you saw was in the slag of, you know... The ritual. Della's of, yeah. mom walking in on some sort of demonic uh, ritual. And now where was this in time? Was this... Well, like the the vision that you just saw in 125 was that before the events of that ritual or after the events of that? Was ritual? she a little girl? She was a little girl, right? She, yeah, yeah she it was, would have been after. It would have been after. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so even so. despite that, she continued to go back to her father. Yes. Got and it. all and what you guys know is that Della has done some things at the behest of her father that she is perhaps not so proud of. Mm. And so, but as a child, she was forced to make that decision, and she chose poorly. She chose poorly. <laughs> she chose daddy. So but, she chose a darker path. Like well, her, her mother presumably would have been led her on a lighter path, and prob- she, possibly, or I mean, or maybe not. Maybe not. But, but this, she definitely doesn't know that. She doesn't know. She but chose the path a, you took was definitely a dark path. Yes, yeah. for sure. So it is like in a certain way, Della did choose it, right? And even though she didn't know what it was going to become, it is you know she did make a decision. Yeah, all of us. All of our characters, I mean, we don't, we don't know about Pembroke uh, or Faraza, 
but we all seem to have issues with our parents. Baron was <laughs> uh, kidnapped, abandoned, taken in by people that lied to him all his life. Nestor's father is an animal. Uh, <laughs> He's I like mean, a red cat. Well, he was. <laughs> <laughs> you what? Exactly right. Exactly right. You did kill him, and 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 Sir Will's uh, adopted family is nice, but what what if his um what if yeah what don't really know his his biological parents, but yeah I, I, I've I've wanted to try to see what happens with you know actually having nice parents <laughs> as as a PC yeah you know what I mean and that's why he's writing these letters. We talked about him writing letters. He's writing letters home because he has you know a good and strong family, and this is part of the reason why this decision is so tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I may just kind of segue into that, this is one of the main reasons that despite just having everybody on Sans Matthew, of course, two weeks ago, we did want to get everybody back together again because this point where we're at going into episode 126, we all <laughs> could not agree more is extremely exciting. Oh, my God. So we were so we were freaking like after we finished, we're like, this is going to be so cool. We're like, why can't we play again right now? We were so like bouncing off the walls. Like, what I say, I said, this is going to be from here to the end, a roller coaster. Oh. <laughs> if it's not, oh, oh, man. if it's not, we should end the podcast. Yeah, we yeah. should. <laughs> and we can't make that exciting. We will have failed every listener who has ever supported us if we don't make this incredibly awesome. <laughs> I think there are odds Sorry. pools out there about who's going to die. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's some. Uh... If not, there should Hold be. Hold on. I'm pulling up Bally's Casino online real quick. Okay. <laughs> Can we look just run the numbers. The, the betting markets in London. To yeah. Two to one on Lexington. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask if we just had to, right now, if you had to pick one PC of the eight, uh, I mean, there's some NPCs in there, but you know what I mean. Of mm-hmm. the eight, uh, if someone, if we just had to pick one that was most likely to die in the forge lighting and ensuing. Encounters and combats, Grant. Who do you think it would be? I just like to say, if I'll you had abs- to bet money, I'll abstain from this photo. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not letting you <laughs> yeah, vote. Don't. If you had to bet money, Grant. Thanks, Jim Nance. <laughs> uh, so I think that um, I know that Baron's going to be eye to eye with the dragon if he blows the horn. So Baron, I would love it if he died. Actually, but oh. I'd not love it, but... It, well, this would be a good place. Well, but I actually... Troy, you know, that's what I'm saying. You guys don't mind if I write stuff down. Because <laughs> of cannon fodder notes? No, it doesn't mean you can lie about your die rolls, Troy. <laughs> um, we still have to play it out, but I, I love Blaze of Glory deaths. And I love... Part of why I liked what, how, how um, Rasmataz died was because it gave him a purpose. It gave his life meaning. Um, it certainly did. So that's, that's where... And I think that Baron um, wants responsibility. And he'd be okay with it. He doesn't want to necessarily. He really wants to find the rest of the Ash Peaks and figure that out. But I think Baron has a good chance of dying. Oh. Now, where in the journey is he on that? Like, do we think he's going to find something out as a result of the forge lighting? Or would we have to light the forge, finish this combat with uh, Orothash, and then move to the next chapter before we can even start finding out more about the Ash Peaks? I've even uh, also thought, I mean... I think Baron would stick with this group because he's still fighting for Aubrey and True now, and he's not going to quit until you know everything's solved and he he feels everyone's safe. But uh, Baron has had tempted the idea of following kind of a lork at a certain point to figure out what his true ancestry is. But I don't think he could do that, especially after the hard dressing down he gave lork for doing it himself. Yeah. But back to odds. Sorry for <laughs> uh, Skid. Who would you be your number if you had to bet money? One person to go down, most uh, likely in that fight. I would, I would put a platinum piece on Della. Ah, I think because she, she's, she's going to be mixed up in melee combat, and 
she has a personal stake not only in in this, but we're going to have to fight Brander too. And she, I don't think she's going to run from that fight. Like she's going to be stuck in with whatever whatever happens there. So I think she's at the most. She's going to be put in the most like peril uh, consistently. And she, so this is Matthew was saying she's a little squishy. So uh, Matthew, yeah, I, I, I'd second skit on that. I because th- I, I mean, there's the strategy I've been adopting because we have such powerful damage dealers in the party now is to hang back. And buff a little bit until we until we have you know it's time to move in. But I just can't imagine Della hanging back when fucking Brander shows up. Yeah. Or yeah. if somebody if Baron were to go down, sacrificing himself in front of the dragon. I mean, I just I don't think she would just not let let people die. You know, so when, and that's going to be pretty reckless. Yeah. Uh, I would have to say uh, I'm sorry, Grant. You're incorrect. Della was the correct answer. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I like I like Bear. I would I do the uh, what is it the superfecta the quinella I'd go for the quinella I'd have uh, I'd have Della I'd have, one yeah I'd have Della to Della to win and uh, Baron to uh, place, place. Yeah. Lexington to show Lexington, Lexington to, to show, show. <laughs> yeah. yeah I all oh, right he's still sick. Yeah, and yeah. I and I yeah. do think that yeah, it would very sick. Yeah, and I do think that it would be most likely Della, just because she doesn't have that. <laughs> we don't even need to do the episode. <laughs> yeah, she just doesn't have that many hit points, and by the very nature of her attitude and her, like her, the way that she approaches fights, she's not afraid to get in the mix. And we're at the point in <coughs> Pathfinder, like at the level where creatures you're fighting are basically, unless you're a very defensively oriented character. They're going to pretty much hit you every time they swing at you. Yeah, yeah. and they lay out massive, they lay devastating out effect. I yeah. mean, look at poor Razmataz got crit by that great club for forty-eight plus twenty-four damage. Yeah. That's just a stone giant, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So, Troy, since you can't name a name because it would just seem uh, weird, could you possibly give us out of eight? If you had to guess a number that you think will die, what would you say before the end of this? Before book? the end of this arc, with the, the end yeah. of this arc. Uh, you know, I, 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 try, I try to kill you guys every week. Uh, if you had, to, if you very had good. to bet an over-under. I would say... Where would you set the over-under? How about that? I would set the over-under at two. Okay. Yeah, I think I would set the over-under at two and bet the over. Okay. Hmm. Wow. All right. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's going to be very, very hard. So, <laughs> Dell Baron Lexington, done. Yeah. Boom. Well, <laughs> well <laughs> you um, made some money. There are also a lot more characters. Eight of you walked into that cathedral. Right. Well, There's already been one death. Right. No, I mean, it could be a ROM, obviously, easily, but I don't think he's going to draw as much attention. <laughs> right. He made it pretty clear. I'll stand in the back and channel <laughs> positive energy. energy. But what Matthew brings up, which I didn't even think about in, immediately following the podcast because we were just so excited, was not only could Brander potentially show up, um, what about uh, Urathrosh? Urathosh. He could show up. Too. Anyone could show up. Yeah. Well, no, that's what well, I'm he expecting. Will. That's the thing. Is like we're going to have to deal with both of them, whether it's together or separately. And a dragon? Yeah. And a dragon. So. Yeah, but, but we also said, like, I don't, I believe that if we do indeed light the forge and go through and everything works the way it's supposed to, I, I believe that we would be infused with with some sort of fantastic power. Right. Yeah. So it would have to balance us out. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I do believe that it would be a roller coaster. I think that's why Troy's yeah. example is dead on because we have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, we don't know. It's not just a hard fight. Like, we don't know where, you know, we could get separated. We could get hugely buffed. Some people could not get buffed. I I don't know. It could be... We don't know our assets or our liabilities. No. (laughs) You don't know your ass from your 
Blood. <laughs> Abilities. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> sounded good when I thought of it. <laughs> I can't believe that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but looking at the, the, the process, we're just kind of down to what here? We're going to have to say a, a prayer, line the thing, put in the geodes, say a prayer, yeah. and call forth. A dragon. A dragon. To light this thing. <laughs> if you remember, step three is call forth the dragon. Yeah. Step four is join together in Minderhall and recite the prayer. Right. So we, uh. have to, we have to deal with the dragon and then do the prayer, then the ritual is complete, and then do whatever it is. Comes wait, after wait, that. wait, wait, wait. We have to defeat the dragon well, deal before with we can say the prayer? However we deal with it, we're going to have to deal with it. Don't you think there's it, some it, it, aspect it, where, we can, where we can tell the dragon, like... We have the goods. Orathosh is going down. Maybe. Why don't you change sides? That could happen. Yeah. We could, but uh, we don't we know. Negotiate. We could try. Anything could I might want to listen back to that dragon fight episode. Yeah. We all know how that went last time. Yeah. Yeah, that was no. I don't know, man. But that's <laughs> Things are really sad. Yeah. That's what we're, that's what we're saying. Like, we, have, we, we really have no clue like, what's going to happen. It's great. Well, that's exciting. That's I, just, exciting. I just know that what's going to help us, regardless of what we fight, who we fight, when we fight, is Umlo's cleric level. Yep. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Holy Father Umlo. Father I mean, Umlo. If Della is at negative 10 and, die, and bleeding out, and it's Umlo's channel that stabilizes her and yeah. makes her live through the fight, that would be amazing. That would be great. Come on. I mean, the size yeah. of that room, how it's very possible that you guys will be hundreds of feet away from each other, depending on how you set up, depending on how things shake out. I mean, you see the, the massive size of that room. I don't know. The clumping together model of most of these Pathfinder encounters, I don't think it's going to work in a space like that. I think it's it's almost impossible and incredibly dangerous. Yeah. Um, and even just with the dragon, clumping together is a bad idea anyway yeah. just because of the breath weapon thing. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> this is all... Oh, fuck. It's we'll so have, long. We we're going to have to wait and see. It. Gonna be like, uh, I don't want to wait. We didn't even talk about Umlo's odds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah. For right now, though, it's time for a little listener. This one from fan of the show, Elliot. Who didn't tell us where he's from? Elliot Gould. But Elliot's a rare enough name that I think you probably know who you are. Elliot. Uh, <laughs> well, we got to pick a location. <laughs> Skid. Yeah, where Elliot, is, where Elliot. is Elliot from? Newport News, Virginia. Oh, Newport, Newport News, News, Virginia. Little known fact, that's where my wife was born. Is that true? Yeah. She was oh. born in Newport News. Maybe they know wow. each other. <laughs> Look it up. Yeah. They're, they're, they're Look it up. Definitely <laughs> Do you know what? Did Look you grow up with anyone named Elliot? Elliot? <laughs> Uh, this one comes in from Elliot, who is ri- uh, running a Rise of the Rune Lords campaign. Have you heard of this AP? I, Rise uh, yeah. of the Rune Lords. <laughs> I have. Uh, is that a new one? Just uh, finished book five with the. Uh, oh, you finished? Grant. Yeah, we finished nice. book five. Feeling great. Congrats. Yeah. I was there too. We'll never. Oh yeah, and Matthew was there too. Of course. <laughs> we'll never get that far. Yeah. <laughs> no, certainly not. Uh, Elliot writes in with a with a quick question. As a GM, how do you handle severe power variance between player characters? Meaning, one or more characters are optimally built, while others are new players, maybe focusing on flavor. I don't want to make encounters that are overwhelming for some, but underwhelming for others, while at the same time, I don't want to create monsters that don't fit the AP. Do you have any suggestions? 
Well, I mean, this is what's happening in our game. It's it's a, it's a classic Nestor versus Sirwell, I think. Nestor well, is pretty well optimized as a killing machine, and and it's but he's also got plenty of flavor. It's not to discount Nestor's flavor, but I mean, Sir Will, you are building it strictly on flavor. Well, well no, no, Sir Will is pretty well optimized as a tank, like to stay alive, to have a large AC and stay alive. I would say that we're equally powerful, though he yeah. can kill more and kill me. I, I think that it doesn't quite apply here. Okay. Now, if it was like. I'm trying to think of a good example. I mean, do you guys have – your barbarian that uh, from Rune Lords I know is immensely powerful. So, Skid, do you run into problems with that? Um, not, not really because he's – although he I'm is sorry, super – I said your. It's Grant's barbarian. Yeah, Grant, yeah Grant's barbarian. Uh, he is like super powerful, but he's also consistently at the most risk because he's like got a low AC when he's raging and he's like right up in front. So he, he ends up – Getting close to being knocked out, like, every time. Although that ring of protection plus three I just picked up feels real good on <laughs> oh, my pinky finger. That is pretty sweet. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, but, you yeah, know, no, we had one character who was less optimized than the others, uh, who was doing less damage, but they're a ranged character. So I think it comes into to, um, problems, and just left an incredible piece of documentation behind which i won't go into <laughs> here but he is an amazing player yeah it's pretty um, impressive yeah he um shout out to maz 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 yep. my boss and writing partner so but i think you would run into the most problem if you had an unoptimized fighter or frontline person because then they're going to maybe die all the time but if you have a range character that's not doing very well maybe the rest of the players resent them for not chipping in during combat i don't know it, it could it could have all sorts of problems potentially what are some possible solutions to this? To, to, I, I, okay, so how about this, Troy? Mm-hmm. Uh, we will say in a situation where Nestor is much more powerful than Sir Will, if, you know, say there's a flying creature kind of raining down damage and Nestor goes down or rolls a crit that his bow is not usable for X amount of time. Mm-hmm. What do we have happen? You see Sir Will go, goes down in, in that combat. So do you feel, I mean, is there something that can be done to not make it all rely on this one character? If that character goes down, if Nestor goes down, we're in serious trouble to finish a given encounter because we would get overwhelmed because we don't have the damage dealing output that he has. But when he's in there, sometimes it seems things go a little bit easier. Do you change anything or do you just kind of – I know sometimes you give the advanced template. But do you only increase the difficulties of encounters when you have more powerful uh, characters and just play with that risk? Well, it's tough because if you do that, you penalize the less powerful characters. Do you know what I mean? Like, now I've, I've made a creature that can stand up to Nestor, but meanwhile, you know, Umlo can't hit anything. You know what I mean? So you, you have to find that balance. And, and I think you also have to find the balance between not just attacking the most powerful creature. You know what I mean? I, I, I can't just attack Nestor every single encounter because he's so powerful because then, you know, it's not as fun for Skid and it's also not as fun for you guys. You have to, I want to, you, you all to try and uh, feel adversity. But, I, I, you know, I, I, the best thing you can do in situations like that is try to try to take the op, the more optimized character out in different ways, like hamper them while challenging the other opponents maybe in, a, in more melees. Yeah, you know, you've said this before and I think it could be a good idea that applies here is use creatures that do conditional effects and don't deal a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. So if they can conditionally take the super powerful optimized ranger out of the fight and then leave it to the bard and the gnome sorcerer to kind of 
figure it out and they don't lay out massive damage every round in melee, then that could be fun for those other two characters in that situation. Now, it's not fun for the more optimized one, but they get to have fun in other encounters. Yeah. You know, I, you just I think mix it up each idea. session as best you can. You know what I mean? Like today, I'm going to be all about attacking this person. Today, I'm going to be all about attacking this person. So that explains all of those battles where you tried to kill Della. <laughs> I, t- I try hard every week. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I also think that saying monsters that are not applicable to the AP is a little mind-blowing to me personally just because I am always overwhelmed by the sheer amount of creatures that are out there to pull from. Yeah. I mean, there's no shortage of options of, of creatures. And so I think that there's, there must be something that you can find. Uh, splitting the party is also an idea. Mm-hmm. Getting a, finding a way, a wall. I always like a caster that does a good like wall of stone or a wall of fire. Oh, yeah. And splits the party up. That's and what put, did the second wind fight. wall. Yeah. That yeah, wall. exactly. And then put some of the weaker uh, enemies, the, the, uh, the support creatures, on the side with the weaker PCs and the tougher ones you know, toe-to-toe with the more optimized character. I mean, doesn't that speak to your idea of using conditional effects? Like, if you know that the, the, the one who's laying out the most damage is a ranged character, so if this were Nestor, like, a wind wall is particularly effective at taking him out of the fight without hurting him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's a great idea. Thanks for giving it to Troy. <laughs> <laughs> but he's yeah. taking a lot of yeah, notes, a lot today. Of notes today. <laughs> Speaking of a wigger, that reminds me of uh, the day that music died, the day that Baron lost his hat. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to go retrieve Razzmatazz? I, I, I called my hat the Big, bopper. the Big Bopper. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, Richie Valens. Uh, anyway, so um, should I wear Razzmatazz's hat? No, that's crazy. That that's would crazy. Look horrific. That would look horrific. <laughs> So, yes. So, so yeah, we, we said we had a sixth sense of humor. Yeah. In general, though, I think that this is something everybody goes through game to game. There's always people that want to uh, maximize more of their damage output and other people that want to uh, – that aren't as concerned with it. And there's nothing right or wrong about either way. But what it does for you as a GM is it puts you in those situations where you want to make sure everybody's having fun and that can be tough to balance. But yeah, I think splitting things up conditional effects on the damage dealers and then also giving the damage dealer a chance to do some massive damage on a really powerful creature and letting the other ones know you better get out of the way that's really also i think another method that reinforces the story this goes back troy to your (coughs) bard in the curse of the crimson throne campaign that we've talked about where you have such low ability scores you have to just stay away from fights. Right. But that's a character thing. And if people are not, you know, are more interested in having depth and story than great tactical combat, then they're probably shouldn't be that uh, upset with having some combats that you have to flee. Yeah. Yeah, you just got to roll with the punches in terms of that. There's going to be sessions sometimes where you're like, man, I feel like I didn't really do a whole lot today. And then other sessions where you were the main focus of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's up to the GM to kind of get the feel for the room and see like, you know what, I feel like so-and-so has not been involved a lot. Today I'm going to like go after him, maybe attack him, maybe cast some crazy spell on him because the other people have been the focus of my attention lately. I got to bring that person back in. As a GM, you got to share the wealth and as the player, do your best to insert yourself in without doing it to the detriment of the table. All right, well, that'll wrap it up uh, for this cannon fodder. Obviously, an extremely exciting episode coming up next week. Yes. And uh, before we go, though, I do want to give a shout-out and a verbal thank-you note to fan of the show from Kentucky, Todd Ritter, who sent us a microbrew, his own home brew. Was it uh, Pale Elliot? Is that what it's called? Or Pale... 
Yeah, Pale Elliot. And I think that's his son's name, I guess. His yeah, name is Elliot. and his buddy brewed it in honor of the birth of his son. So congratulations. Who was also born in Newport News, Virginia. Oh! oh. Pour a little bit out for Razzmatazz. <laughs> Grant, not really. I don't want to clean that up. I already drank everything. Don't worry. <laughs> I literally... Did you catch that? Am I crazy? I literally just said that his son's name is Elliot. He named it after that's himself. That's why I said the Newport. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see that he was the person. All that Elliots yeah. are born in Newport News. Yes, that was my theory. That's what I was going with. Hence why I said, look it up. Yeah, this yeah. is one twisted backstory. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Thanks again, Todd. And thanks to all of you guys. We are so excited for episode 126. Yes. Coming can't soon wait. to a podcast near you. I can't wait. Woo. I don't want to die. <laughs> <laughs>